0: The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchalk here, and welcome to Episode 52 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly, methodically, and vigorously pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, assuming, of course, that you're still alive out there. We have another off-nominal episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts—you, them, and me— Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we utilize an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the "you" part we have our latest regular feature, unscripted cohorts, plus a different sort of response to pandemics in general. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is a mix of all three. He's Dr. Ted Corrin, a health issues renaissance man, in my opinion, and you will see what I mean. After that comes the me portion of the Pennsylvania Project, where it'll be my turn, your caster Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today... It's college. And throughout the show, as is our long-established customs, we typically feature a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to nar- serve as narrator to read our live commercials. But in these interesting times, we have been asked to minimize our in-studio presence. That means today we have no narrator. But wait, wait, there's good news. We also typically have a second Toastmaster with us, according to another of our ancient customs, to help us read and respond to whatever comes in our mailbag and join in discussions with our guest it's a role that we call cohort, and we are not minimizing our in-studio, in-studio presence so much that I'm sitting here all by myself, so we obtained official sanction from both state and station oh, boy. to bring in our cohort today, and he's sitting right across the table from me right now, ready to do double duty as cohort and narrator. He's no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. In fact, he's been here so many times, I'm not even going to bother to count anymore. Maybe too many at this point. (laughs) He's a member of We the Speakers Toastmasters in Plymouth Meeting, and we're glad to see that he did not decide to self-isolate, self-immolate, or any of those selfish things. Let's welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project distinguished Toastmaster, Art Farnsworth. Yay! Yay! Yay. To
0: quote Admiral Kirk from Wrath of Khan,
1: aren't you dead? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's right and upon meeting Dr. McCoy in the first Star Trek film
1: Uh, wasn't that one no it was the second it was after the Kobayashi Maru oh that's right yeah and then Kirk ran across Spock
0: that's right that's around the bridge there Yeah.
1: Yeah. aren't you dead (laughs) and the eyebrow goes up of course you gotta
0: love Spock good stuff
1: Chinese curse may you live in interesting
0: times these are definitely are yes they always are
1: but here at the pennsylvania project we are ready to go through anything and everything still stays the same and you've been here often enough art that you know we have adopted our new ancient custom by asking each cohort to bring with them or her some sort of an unscripted question for an impromptu response all right essentially table topics on the air
0: There's a little bit of setup to this one. We're going to have practical application Thursday today. Okay. And for the you folks who aren't listening on Thursday, well, it's Thursday where I am. Here we go. You folks may remember that Ken has mentioned on this program, at least in passing a couple of times, the Local Tax Enabling Act, or our local taxes, ah, and the somewhat unconstitutional fact that they were put in place in the Commonwealth via a bill that originated in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And as we all know now, Pennsylvania Constitution, Article 3, Section 10 says that all bills to raise raise revenue revenue shall originate in in the House of of Representatives. Representatives. Now, before we go further, I was wondering, can you just give the listener a couple of ideas of what types of taxes those are, examples of them?
1: Well, it includes that 1% earned income tax that feeds the schools, the business privilege tax, occupational privilege taxes, the... Just in general, and there's a lot of other little nuisance taxes in there. I couldn't go through the whole list. I think there's about eight or ten of them.
0: All right, that's fine. Now let's move to the application. If said tax is unconstitutional, then we don't have to pay it. But it's in place, and we the people in the Keystone State here have been conditioned to pay. Question. We all know that the most important question, of course, is,
2: Is it constitutional?
0: (laughs) And it's not. It's not. Therefore, Ken, what does the citizen who realizes he's not required to pay an unconstitutional tax do when the government starts sending lien and levy notices?
1: Well, you could do what I did. You could just take them to court. What I did is I filed for a refund of all the taxes that I erroneously paid under that beforehand. And, of course, they say, no, we're not going to give them to you. And then what you do then is you, you take them to court. It's not that difficult to take somebody to court. It can't be difficult, or else lawyers wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> and then with when I did that with Abington, we went back and forth and back and forth for quite a while.
0: Oh, uh, the Max days.
3: Yes. Yes, I remember that. Good old Max. Yeah.
1: He's, he's gone now, God rest his soul, despite the fact that I don't like the man. <laughs> <laughs> not many people I don't like. But that that's the, the way of it. You need to understand the court system, because the core of it, is that it is, as you say, unconstitutional. And judges have pointed out that this law cannot be changed. In fact, there's a cap on that law, and they can't change that cap. And the gentleman who was our guest in Episode 2, Gary St. Fleur, he was running for mayor of Scranton. Recently, he challenged Scranton because they exceeded that cap. Mm -hmm. He took them to court, and he won. And suddenly Scranton owes, what's the number, $50 million or something like that? In back taxes, they got to pay. Plus, there's another 15 or 20 municipalities in Pennsylvania who are in the same situation. So what they're trying to do now is pass a law to say it's okay to do that. But they can't because the judges have already said they can't. Mm -hmm. So right now, it's Act 512, excuse me, Act 511 of 1965. And right now, it's in heavy-duty limbo. The thing is, you have to be ready to, to go to court to stand up for your rights. And you can do it yourself. There's no reason you can't do it yourself. As I said, it's not that difficult. You just need one book. It's called uh, Procedures, Court Procedures. I forget the exact title. It's online now, too. You can mm-hmm. get there. It says what to file, when to file it, and be sure to fi- notify the Attorney General of the unconstitutionality of the whole thing. Mm. But that's it. you got to be able to stand up for your rights. So I would suggest fighting every parking ticket you get just to be able to come familiar with the court system and become a Toastmaster so you know how to present your case and not wither under the stare of the judge.
0: Mm-hmm. It's still intimidating, though. I've been there. I and have. you have as well.
1: I have, too. Yeah, but I, there are many I've won. That, that's what drives me on. Mm. Good stuff, man. Good question.
0: <clears throat> well, let's move out to Elwood City with Bernie McCann. You've got to see it, Ken. He writes, "How would a libertarian handle a pandemic?" I know you see government is overreaching, but you need it to protect people sometimes. He continues, "You know what really sticks in my craw? It's all these DUI checkpoints in the local containment zone. <laughs> these people are on lockdown, and let me stress, that's the time when you really want to tie one on." <laughs> I got to meet Bernie someday.
1: Yeah. Huh, huh. That's two questions in two episodes, Bernie, after a prolonged silence of almost 30 episodes. Never mind. It's It's good to have you back, Bernie. Good to hear you. And it's a good question, too. How would a libertarian handle a pandemic? Well, regular listeners have heard me sounding off most recently at episode 50 and 51 about the world's botched handling of the coronavirus. But let's take a step back and look at a libertarian response to pandemics in general, not just this one. But before you do that, of course, for context, let me summarize once again the central principle of libertarian philosophy. You have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided you respect the rights and property of others. Short and sweet. That's it. Your life your way, as long as you respect others. Golden rule on a political level. Now, let's imagine for the moment that I won my race for Pennsylvania governor in 2018 and that the fate of the state lay in my hands upon the outbreak of the coronavirus in early 2020. What would you expect?
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Pennsylvania Governor Ken Krawchuk.
1: My fellow Pennsylvanians, as you know, a pandemic is starting to stretch across the planet. One that spreads easily, but is only fatal to a fraction of of a percent of all cases, particularly those among the old and infirm. Virtually all of the world's governments and our fellow United States have chosen a course they call flattening the curve. That means they try with all their governmental might to try to slow the spread of an unstoppable virus, so as to lighten and a load on our government controlled health care system. Through their diktats, they shut down businesses at their whim, take away the livelihoods of millions, and imprison populations in their own homes. As your governor, I stand here today to outline our plans for a healthy, prosperous Pennsylvania. That plan requires a two pronged approach. Firstly, I want all healthy Pennsylvanians to go about their business. I want you to go to work, to school, to the bar up the corner. I want you to live your life. We're not going to wreck our economy, as so many others are doing, by ordering you to live your life their way. Rather, I want you to live your life your way. In a Pennsylvania pandemic, it's going to be business as usual. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we do nothing. Instead, I am invoking the advice of the best healthcare expert in the nation. No, not in the nation, in the world. It's your mom. Yes, your mom. You know what I mean. I want everyone to follow all the advice that mom always gives us when we were kids. Mom, yeah. Cover your mouth when you cough. Wash your hands before you leave the bathroom and get that away from your mouth. You don't know where it's been. You're sick. You're not going anywhere. Get back in bed. And so on and so on. You know what your mom said. All the mom stuff you've heard all your life. Well, now we Pennsylvanians are going to live it. Are people going to get sick? Count on it. Lots of people are going to get sick. They already are. It's the nature of a pandemic that Mm -hmm. it spreads uncontrollably. But put your fears to rest because in the overwhelming majority of cases, the symptoms are mild, sometimes even unnoticeable, which is one of the reasons it spreads so easily. So just as surely as people will get sick, just as surely they will get better. And just as surely we will soon move beyond this pandemic. That is the first prong of our plan for Pennsylvania, live your life. Which brings me to the second prong. As I mentioned, the pandemic is only fatal in a fraction of 1% of all cases, among the old and the infirm specifically. So it becomes incumbent upon us healthier types to protect those old and infirm as best we can. That means if you are one of the high-risk citizens, one of the people with pre-existing conditions, people over 50, or just somebody who's concerned for themselves or their family, Stay home. Self-quarantine. Let no one pass your door. Not even your kids, not your grandkids. No one. No one at all. Hibernate. Have all your groceries delivered to your door. Your medicines mailed you, as well as any other needs of life. Wait it out. Which, by the way, is exactly the same strategy the rest of the world is using, except they're having everyone do it, not just the vulnerable people. And in the process, they're destroying their economies. Well, they can do what they please and follow a strategy to lock up their entire population if they want. But Pennsylvania is not going to follow that lead. But there's a second strategy that virtually everyone is using around the planet. They call it flattening the curve. I call it stretching out the pain. (laughs) Why? Look at past pandemics such as the Spanish flu a century ago. Studies have shown how flattening the curve resulted in the pandemic lasting twice as long, three times as long than if we follow our two-prong approach. Flattening the curve is like pushing a balloon animal. You squeeze it here, it stretches out there. Flatten the curve, and by definition, the pandemic will stretch out over a longer period of time, and your economy will be racked and wrecked that much longer. But not here, not in Pennsylvania. This is our plan for Pennsylvania, to use all of our resources to protect our way of life, to live our lives, to protect our vulnerable people, and to get this pandemic behind us in less than half the time, it takes the rest of the world. Thank you for your attention and for electing me governor.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ken <laughs> Krawchuk, Pennsylvania governor. Uh, it's a speech I would love to give. How about it? Every
1: time I hear on the radio when they say, oh, the coronavirus is destroying the nation. It's not.
0: And it's the governors, if I understand, are not looking what at what they can do as to call it the sovereign, over their particular state, oh. they're blaming or looking for assistance from above, from oh, that's, the national government. Yeah,
1: that's, that's New Jersey. people state in New Jersey. There are other ones. I heard on the radio on the way over here, the governor of Mississippi is saying, no, he's doing just what I suggested right now. People should get out there and live their lives. We should take care of mm-hmm. the people who, who are the most vulnerable. And there are three states that I hear that are doing that. Oh. We, you're right. We are a republic and to the republic for which it stands. Mm-hmm. So we're allowed to do that kind of stuff instead of, Shutting down the economy, destroying life for how many people? I was talking to Joe the Pack, who does our, right. our music, uh-huh. the other day. He's a musician. He's out of work. All the all his buddies who are in the bands. They got no jobs. We got one lady who's with our Montgomery County Libertarians. She's an exotic dancer. Mm-hmm. She's out of work. All wow. the, all these regular, normal, run of the not run of the mill, uh, middle class people. Let's just say, yep, all out of
0: work. Talk to our producer, right?
1: Yeah. Too too many of them. So it's not a coronavirus-induced problem. It's a government-induced problem. And I have a lot more to say about that, but I'm not going to be able to do that. (laughs) If you want to hear more detail about it, you can check out my rants at the end of episode 50 and my previous response to Bernie at the beginning of episode 51. And I have seen no reason to change a word of it. On that certain note, we are going to have to—that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 52— we're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be meeting with today's guest, our health issues renaissance man, Dr. Ted Corin.
3: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? the separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed. Available at all online bookstores or through atlistsnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late.
0: Here's an interesting question What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an alienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the rights of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone, of course, has heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and you guessed it, no. Well, it's long past time that we changed these answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at The Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of that petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts here in Pennsylvania asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. Please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com and do it now while it's on the top of your mind. The alternative? Yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why nobody votes anymore? Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the Them portion
1: of episode 52 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today, we have a mix of all three with our health issues renaissance man, Dr. Ted Koren. Is that hyperbole? Well, judge for yourself. Originally from Brooklyn, Dr. Ted has been in the Delaware Valley for decades, He's a groundbreaking chiropractor, a health issues expert, a researcher, clinician, nutritionist, author, writer, and I forgot to ask him how many books he's written. He's an internationally recognized teacher of thousands, a longtime radio host on WDVT in Philadelphia, and on top of that, he's a longtime libertarian and a past Toastmaster. What else would you want? Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Ted.
2: Well, thank you, and it's actually a pleasure to listen to some good libertarian talk. I don't get to hear enough of it.
1: Yeah. And you know, on WDB here in Philadelphia, I am the first Libertarian talk radio show host since Irv Homer hung up his headphones. What Congratulations. About 10, 15 years. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you very much. My thanks go to WWDB for being so forward-looking. Big shoes to fill. They
2: were. They were, and uh, I uh, learned a lot listening to Irv. I actually appeared on his show
1: a couple of times,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as you did also. Yes,
2: and I sure too, did. Yeah. Art, you've been on there twice. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. there you go. I was on it when it was WWDB, and also when it was WBC whatever in Bucks County. BCBN, something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, Levittown or down. Yeah, yeah it was Levittown station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard to. It was find.
1: a
2: sad day when the station uh,
0: changed it was. The format. Uh, I remember yeah. the countdown. Yeah, yeah I almost yeah. cried.
1: It is. Yeah. No. Well, but we're back, and we're back with you. And, Ted, you have the the honor or the privilege or the shortcoming to be the first guest <laughs> ever to call in remotely to the show. That is cool. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm just glad that you're here at all.
2: Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I know that this is uh – you know, because this episode is listened to at different times, uh, the, the topicalness of what's going on today will probably be old news <laughs> by the time many people are hearing it. But the important thing to know is that this can often be used as an excuse to take away our freedoms, That's to take right. away, uh, uh, to increase the power of the government and the government medical complex. Because one of the real problems is that politicians don't really know. Uh, anything uh, really <laughs> about the. Uh, well, I mean, it depends yeah, on no, what they're right. specialized in, but they're, they're more into people and power and money and, you know, getting along and going along. Uh, it's, it's general, of course, what I'm saying. Uh, many are far worse than that. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they uh, they rely on experts. Of course. And we have. Uh, Don't we all? Experts Don't we all? Yes, and we rely, but they only listen to certain experts. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. They're not listening to the wide range of talking. So, for example, Anthony Fauci is the person advising Trump regarding the present uh, coronavirus uh, thing going on. He has never been right yet. <laughs> he was the one who predicted well, in, ni- in the nineteen eighties that AIDS would spread all over the country and kill eight uh-uh. gay and straight and Ted, everybody in between. Ted.
1: Ted, you're going to have me get out my chainsaw. You just stepped a foot outside of Pennsylvania. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) Well, well, let me bring it back. He also said that that would happen (laughs) in Pennsylvania, too.
0: (laughs) 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 There we go. We're back.
1: You know, one of the libertarian presidential candidates wanted to come on the show, and I says, Mm. no, we're Pennsylvania only. He says, well, there's a lot I can do to help Pennsylvania, too.
2: Well, yeah, I could understand that. Uh, Is that Moreau, by the way?
1: No, no. He's he's one of the people who wants to become— the presidential candidate oh, for the
2: Libertarian Oh, I heard him party. lecture, I heard him give a talk at the University of Pennsylvania years ago. Andre he was Moreau? was pretty good, he was funny. Moreau, yeah, he yeah, was funny, he was, he was talented.
1: For the benefit of our listeners, he was our presidential candidate in 1992, if I recall correctly. He was like the sec- and, uh, second, or, second or third Libertarian I ever met.
2: And I remember one of the things he said, because he was referring to Clinton, and he says, I have a message for him. Inhale if you're
1: going to smoke pot. <laughs> you know, you
2: know, of course, the, the college students went crazy over there. On,
1: on the campaign trail when I was running for governor, I, I would say that all the time. I, I said, you know, I, I smoked pot. I, I, was there in, I was in high school in the late 60s, college in the early 70s. I was right there in the middle of that drug culture. And True. I inhaled. And I held it. <laughs> and it would have been a I mean, waste of good pot if I didn't.
2: Do you really want to vote for someone who doesn't know how to inhale at least?
1: <laughs> what I mean, a waste.
2: Yeah, I mean, come on, at least be honest. All right, oh, that's let's... something that's rare. But I want, to know, I want to tell you it's a pleasure to be with you. The uh, the issues going on in Pennsylvania uh, reflect much of the country. Pennsylvania is such a unique state Agreed. because it's it's an agricultural and industrial.
1: Yep. It's and a mix-
2: they call it the Keystone, the Keystone State for a very good reason.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do they say? You know, Pennsylvania, is Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and the Alabama Tea in the middle? Are they... Depending on which,
2: mean. the way I heard it was it's uh, til, til, let me see Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Appalachia.
1: <laughs> That's about it. I love the Appalachia <laughs> part. I grew up in. Paris
2: but I, for I've a been while. lecturing all over Pennsylvania on the work that I teach, and I've been mostly to chiropractors, although all health care providers have been at my seminars mm-hmm. and lay people also, because my influence from a libertarian perspective is really the quote from George Bernard Shaw. Yeah? And it was all professions are a conspiracy against the laity. And he I think he wrote that mm. in the in the play The Doctor's Dilemma, meaning mm, it's, right. it's all all professions are put together to put one over on the laity, showing them that they are so much more, well, so much more intelligent. Well, that's, They're the
1: experts. I I think I'm going to disagree with you on that, Oh, yeah, how dare you! <laughs> I like your style. Why do you disagree? Why do you disagree? Because everybody is their own profession. For example, here I am sitting here speaking the libertarian gospel to uh, one of the largest metro audiences in the country. But you know there are other people who are doing the same thing, but they're preaching the leftist gospel, or the rightist gospel, yeah. or oh, Well, or the, I, think I, or I I think Christian we're in agreement, gospel. actually.
2: Uh, but I don't think we disagree. What he meant was that uh, a, a profession is designed as a self-interest group. Of course. To take away the power of individuals.
0: It's a tautology. I don't agree with that second part, though. What, a, let's talk about the profession, a service industry profession, such as a plumber. I don't mm. think they're out there to put down anybody else. They're there to offer services at exorbitant prices sometimes, as the saying goes, but that's a profession. It's a self-interest group in that they're there to make money like any other free businessman should, but they're there to serve people. Because if there are no people that need pipes fixed, guess what? They're out of business. Uh-huh. Well, what about licensing?
3: Oh, now uh, nah, nah, you're nah, crossing uh, cross the line Oh, there. boy, and that's the forbidden zone. I,
1: you know, and I actually of course. I, I had some mention about that in, if I should look at my list here to see... Which one? I mentioned it. Uh, I don't have it handy. But that is monopoly. It's government-enforced monopoly and monopoly. Well, that's
2: exactly what happens yeah. when these guys get together. Adam Smith noticed it right away. He said it's rare for people in the same profession when they get together to not talk about price-fixing. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Let I, I, My lord, I'd like everyone who uh, wants to be a plumber to be a plumber, an electrician. We do know that in one state the electrical licensing laws are so high that many people do it themselves because the cost of an electrician is so uh-huh. high in that it. state. And this is done to protect the public. Well, conversely, <laughs> it's, it's as you know— allegedly. Yeah allegedly but that state has more electrocutions than any other state uh-huh. from people trying to avoid paying plumber uh, electricians exorbitant prices
1: in, in the same so same and thing's that's going a on? nearby
2: state. I won't mention it because it's not Pennsylvania. Oh, but well, we still have we, the licensing laws there.
1: We do pick on New Jersey all the time, mercilessly. Oh, well, state. who doesn't? <laughs> that's what they're there for. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. New Jer- what exit? Uh, <laughs> uh, zero. No. <laughs> I,
1: I, don't, I don't take the toll roads. We do the back roads. Whenever we head down the shore, we always cut through the Pine Barrens, past the Governor Brendan Byrne, State Forest, and stuff like that. Always a better way oh, to well. go. well.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. My wife doesn't like highways either. She she likes to go the back route, and it is much more fun. You find stuff, that's you just right. cover
1: things. And my wife and I, you know, we're outdoors people. We met on a camping trip. We go. We were just out on the Appalachian Trail last weekend with our grandson. It was a good time.
2: But, oh, how nice! Yeah, no, uh, now I think they've closed uh, state parks, haven't
1: they? No, nah, Pennsylvania state parks are still open. The overnight accommodations oh, that. for transient, like campgrounds, are closed. But Mm -hmm. uh, residential ones, if you have a season pass or something, a season rental, then you're still allowed in. I just checked the the list because I wanted to make sure that we can still broadcast and we still can. They like us. This is right out of Atlas Shrugged, you know, where the politicians saying, we're going to shut this, we're going to shut that. And What? No,
0: don't do that. I just started watching that again on YouTube. uh, I've finished parts uh, one and two now.
1: I sure like them, too.
2: Probably what's most damaging in terms of the licensing laws and restrictions is health care. There uh, are about, I think there are 11 started. states right now. I'm sorry, what?
1: I said don't get me started. I've actually talked well, about this on other ones, man.
2: There, there are 11 states. Would that permit a person, if they say they want to do healing, to legally do it without having to get a license? Uh And they're protected. And we're trying to pass this in Pennsylvania, too. That doesn't mean, however, you can't say, I'm an MD, and if you're not an MD, you know, Uh that's a proprietary uh, degree. You can't say, I'm a chiropractor or a naturopath Uh unless you've got the the credentials. But you can say, I'm an energy healer. I do uh, I do specialized uh, body balancing. I do uh, various uh, herbal, that, you know, energies, what have you. I, I know, or other things, craniosacral therapy, it, you know, things like that. Because uh-huh. the I, licensing is getting terrible.
1: I know a guy who's a horse masseur, and they actually licensed him. <laughs> they opened up oh the whole God, thing. Really, but the worst, the absolute worst licensing around. you be thrown in jail for this and everything, and it's actually enshrined in our constitution. And that is, in order for you to practice law, you have to be a member of the Bar of the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. I mean, it's one thing to pass a law to say, well, yeah, to prescribe drugs, you got to be a doctor, which most countries can get away without. You know, they don't have any problem. But Mm -hmm. if you try and practice law without a license, they come down on you with all the power that they have pulled into themselves and they're not sharing a drop.
2: Oh, yeah. You have to subscribe to the bar, which really means lack of separation of powers. If you are in the legislature, agreed. So well, now you have a person who's a member of two uh, in the division of power. Yep. Or, well,
1: if you got two, you two got branches judges, of government
2: at once, and, well, you got the Supreme Court, and they're they lawyers, so you're still screwed.
1: <laughs> and the, and they're in the state house. So now we've mixed our two branches of government together. Yeah, I uh, think maybe
2: there should be a law that no lawyer <laughs> should go into
1: politics. I agree. It's enough to make you vote Libertarian. And you know, Ted, <laughs> Ted, hi, <laughs> I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 52 of The Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information with more from our health issues renaissance man, Dr. Ted Corin.
0: Do you like The Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants? guests the fun well you're in luck because by popular demand we've added even more content things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show while we continue on our air, on-air conversations it's all 100% unscripted and often includes things we can't say on the air or shouldn't <laughs> would you like to access each episode the day it's recorded live streams of every show as it happens behind-the-scenes interviews, and bonus videos with our guests. All this and more is now available at pennsylvaniaproject.com. But wait, there's more. Sign up today and you'll also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for content? You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the more fun exclamation point. That's right, link at the top of the page. Solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today. <laughs> hey, Ken Kroshock here, caster
1: on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you, competent leader, communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and, and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org.
0: Are you a small business owner, always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenwhirley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Fave Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's ChristopherFaveFlyFishing.com Back to you, Ken! <laughs>
1: now you see why we have art on the air so much he does a phenomenal job hey ken Koralchuk here and we are back with episode 52 of the pennsylvania project and our health issues renaissance man dr ted korn unless he hung up on us you still with us ted
2: why would I hang up? You guys are delightful.
1: Oh, I don't know. It's certainly the opposite
0: is true as well. Maybe it's remote quarantining.
1: Yeah, there you go. Quarantine electrons. <laughs>
2: I, I do want to mention that my work has was actually inspired uh, in part by libertarian philosophy regarding well, licensing. Well, you know, and that's why we, I let anybody t- t- come to my seminars.
1: We we got to take a step back. We've been shooting the breeze here back and forth. We really haven't talked much about what you do. Yeah, what's his topic? Yeah, because <laughs> you're not you're not the what first. idea? What do you, what does anybody do? You're not not the first chiropractor we had on here. We had one of your students, actually, Kevin Keita. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it must have been about episode 40 ish. I don't have it off the top of my hand at the moment. But he spoke very highly of you. He said that you have, you've come up with this brand new thing, the Corin specific technique, which all chiropractors are now doing, or you're one of the best at it?
2: Well, I discovered it. Oh, well, there you go. Practice at the longest, so I guess uh, I should be doing it for a while. What What happened was very interesting. I was in um, a bad accident, and I uh, was disabled. Uh uh-huh. I couldn't walk more than ten feet at a time. Wow. I had to sit down. The sciatica uh, it was so intense. I couldn't use my hands. Uh, I couldn't make a fist. I couldn't open my my hands fully. And I actually gave up my license to practice if you're a chiropractor and you can't use your hands, <laughs> you've you yeah. you got some trouble. And, this, and I suffered for 10 long years. And I traveled all around the country. I saw between 40 and 50 different kinds of doctors and healers. And no one was able to help me. I was getting really depressed and miserable. I had nowhere to turn, so I, I decided to turn to myself.
1: Physician, heal thyself.
2: Well, I started practicing, experimenting on procedures I had learned. But I put them together in a unique way. And after suffering from all kinds of pain and, dis- and weakness and inabilities for uh, 10 years, I was all better in five days. Wow. <laughs> five days. And, yeah. Huh. I know. Did I was pretty blown away by it. My wife had migraines that she'd suffered from for years. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know what it's like to be with somebody who has migraines. Uh, they they have to be alone in a room. The lights are out. They 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 suffer terribly, and then they they throw up. They have to you know. And then they they might ease up. Well, ten years well for years, not ten, but quite a few years. And uh, since uh she was pregnant with our son, and I uh, actually that was twelve years. So I I showed her. Let me show you what I've discovered. I found one area in her body where there was a blockage. Uh, tapped it lightly. And it's been fifteen years she hasn't had a migraine since. Wow,
1: wow. Do you know when... so
2: my big question was, does this only work on, on chiropractors who write patient literature and have a publishing company? Or does it work on and their wives? Or does it work on every you know Renaissance so man next, Yes, well for the next few years, uh, when I would teach at seminars, I'd say, um, anyone with a chronic problem, you've been to lots of doctors, no one's been able to help you, see me during the break. Then I dismissed them for lunch or what have you. Uh-huh. Well, I figured one or two people might stop by. The line went out the door. Wow. Oh it was they were a mess and they wow. so many people. The responses were so powerful that I realized we were finding things that other people were missing. Other doctors and healers were missing.
1: God bless you, sir. that's great.
2: For over a year I actually almost eighteen months I traveled around the US and then I was in England giving my regular seminar on research and science and philosophy and all and history and a lot of subjects and they said they came up to me at uh, this college in uh, uh near oxford actually uh, abingdon and they said uh our speaker canceled can't make it can you do an extra four hours <laughs> wow. now you know as a speaker. He takes you. It could take you a hundred hours to figure
1: out four hours. <laughs> That's right. And
2: I go. I said, uh, "What?" <laughs> and they said, "We need you. We're, we're they're, they paid for you know x number of That's hours, right. and it we're four hours short." I thought, "Well, I'll start. I'll show them this new thing I've been working on." Uh uh-huh. And and I, because I didn't know if I could teach it to anyone, so I did. Well, here's an audience. And so for the next few hours, I, I showed them, and I had them work on each other, and they practiced on themselves. You can work on yourself with this. And I was getting emails over the next week about all these incredible healings that had happened. Mm. People who, I, so I thought, well, I guess I can teach it, and people can learn
1: it. It's amazing. And so
2: that's what I started doing. And now it's uh, 4,000 people later. Uh, We're teachers called Koran Specific Technique, KST and uh, at, uh you know it's cornspecifictechnique.com so uh-huh. interested in finding it and it's been uh I've traveled now the US England to Australia Taiwan so, Israel Italy uh um, So
1: what you're telling me is it's Ireland. not it's not corn specific It's not
2: as <laughs> <it's> teaching <laughs> is is libertarian inspired everyone well, was, has a healing ability I was going to ask
1: and, you about yes. that you said it came from your libertarianism how
2: well, what's that the, connection the letting letting anyone come to the seminar to learn. Uh Because there's no law against working on yourself. Uh Not yet, anyway.
0: And it's a form of chiropractic?
2: No, not really. It it, it was born out of chiropractic philosophy, but I took the universal aspects of it so it could be applied to everybody. And now we have parents working on their kids or each other. And we had one guy who took our home study program. He wasn't even at a seminar in his 80s and he'd never been to a healing he never knew anything about healing he just was retired and he started working on his family members and he said that uh, he's now doing the work uh, sort of he started his own sort of church so he could practice without having to worry about licensing uh-huh. you know, i said it, more power to you
1: yeah i agree mm-hmm. and you're not being regulated yet
2: well, I have a license to to right. see people and touch people as a chiropractor, but we've had people with all kinds of professional licenses come to the seminar. Uh-huh. But, you know, depending on the laws and the jurisdictions, a lot of times you could work on people, uh, if you're a religious healer, and say it's spiritual healing, uh-huh. Depends on how you want to apply it. But my philosophy is we're all healers, we all have healing ability, and we've had people whose Personal, deep down, they knew they were they had a healing ability, and they just felt frustrated. They come to a seminar, and it blossoms forth.
1: Now, it was beautiful to know. Yeah, Ted, we're, we're running low on time. We only got a couple minutes ah. left. I know it goes so quickly, always all the time. Oh. You know, but is <laughs> blame is, there, on coronavirus. is there something that you can <laughs> can tell us about any of the details of this? Something's going to fit into a minute.
2: Because well, yeah. When people say to me, they, it's called the elevator pitch, right? I've heard that term, with marketers. Yeah, you're a an elevator. Yeah. Yeah, and you only ha- you like exactly, and you only have a, a few moments to tell somebody. How do you interest them? It'll open them up to what you're learning, so that they want to know more.
1: And you so, just used half of your say, minute. What do
2: you do? <laughs> I just used it. People say, "What do you do?" I say, "This. Have you ever met a doctor or a healer who's able to locate your deepest stresses, stresses you may have had since childhood?" Stresses that other doctors missed, other healers have missed. Not only locate them, but correct them. That's what I do.
1: Physical or mental? I think you're well, going to say yes. Yeah. We look
2: at we look at mind body.
1: Yep. It, it, and when, that's the important thing. When we had Doctor Kita on here, he said same thing. I mean, he had situations where he was able to cure <coughs> cancer, and he was able to. My bring attitude to...
2: is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I teach my students. Uh huh. I said you can apply this in many ways. That's one, of your,
1: that's one of your books, isn't it? I have it written down here. Cancer is natural, so is the cure.
2: That's right. I did, mm-hmm. I wrote a book on cancer when our son was diagnosed with brain tumors, and the MD said that all he needs to have uh, radiation or he's going to die soon. Ugh. And it, you know, as a father, is there anything more frightening than to hear that? Tell me but about something it. something said to me, no. I studied the literature on it, and what that radiation does to the brain is horrible Uh people wind up dying of brain cancer a few years later so i said "Uh, we're going to explore this first we're not going to jump into it so they called child protective services (laughs) there you go (laughs) there's the licensing government well as a libertarian you can imagine how i felt about that yeah get out the guns you know they called it on us but we fought them off we have a wonderful attorney for you you. health care freedom and we we actually beat them they they went away about six months later the tumors had shrunk by eighty percent and within a year they were totally gone and he was told by the mds he only had a few weeks to live and the the pain and suffering and stress from having to go through that introduced me to so many different healers and healing approaches my own of course i applied but others as well And I started studying cancer and tumors and realized that all of us have cancer and tumors in our bodies. Uh We all have them all the time, and they come and go. And tumors are there to store and sequester toxicity, toxins. They serve a purpose. Interesting. Once we detox properly the tumors, the body will just shrink them and dissolve them. The, the body system. created them, the body can get rid of them.
1: Wow. And, you know, Ted, we are out of time. And that, that's a great final line. The body created them, the body
0: can get rid what of if them. if you can provide the website for us? I Excellent. want to learn more. what I was going to say. Ted,
1: you got a website can you, spell it you can send out, please?
2: Oh, Well, Corenwellness.com.
0: Uh, How do you spell that, please?
2: K-O-R-E-N, K- corenwellness.com. And that has information on corn-specific technique and my blog, which has been getting really popular lately, thank God, and, uh, and all the other wild and crazy things I write about
1: and uh, teach. And, and Ted, I'm, I'm glad you're on the show. I'm sorry you couldn't be here in, perp- in person. You and I last crossed paths physically, it must have been 20, 25 years ago. My Lord, wow. I, I want to see if your hair's as gray as mine went. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Well, you've been in
2: politics more, so probably it is a little grayer
1: by now. No, I don't— But he's never been a politician. That's right. I haven't broken a promise yet. I don't stress. (laughs) I don't stress. You know? Nothing really bothers me. I just say, yep, and I can't change it. I just move on.
2: I like that approach. Thank you. You should be a psychologist.
1: (laughs) Maybe I am. He's crazy. (laughs) All right. That's going to have to wrap it up for the them portion of episode 52 of the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw. College.
0: The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Art, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Well, our friends at the Infernal Robbery Syndicate paid me a personal visit the other day. <laughs> Infernal Robbery Syndicate? Oh, I'm sorry, it really steals. Uh, it really steals? Yep, call them for what they are, Ken. I they R- sent these IRS. two big brutes to the house and scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. Lots of it, too. You remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Oh yeah, I remember. You were raking in some big bucks. Yeah, big bucks. And all those big bucks, guess what? They went straight into my personal bank account. And it turns out that the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes, so they want it all now, right now, plus penalties and interest, of course. Ouch, it sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. We've been through this before, Ken. It's the damned 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, 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 Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice
1: your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And leave out an account and do your personal taxes for you
0: come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. All right, so they take care of all the taxes and all the forms? Yep, and they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Wow, I wish I knew about this Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at Amendment16.com, with 16
1: spelled out. That's Amendment, S-I-X-T-E-N.com. One call does it all.
0: You've been a registered Libertarian for years, voted for Libertarians even longer, and lived by Libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania, take an active role in making it happen, and maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only 20 bucks a year. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 52 of the Pennsylvania Project where I have a chance to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's college. Yep, college. To quote Tom Lehrer, the satirist from the 60s, those ivy-covered professors in their ivy-covered halls. (laughs) Yeah, I went to college, and I hated it. Mm. To a degree, a physics degree to be precise. Maybe I'm being overdramatic about hating it because I only hated the classes and the homework. Other than that, it was a lot of fun. The keg parties, the dating scene, the political rallies, the drugs. Lots of things were fun. So I really had a, a love-hate relationship with college. And I'm telling you, it was one of the happiest days of my life that I stood in Philadelphia's old convention hall and they handed me that diploma. And I yelled out, free at last, free at last. To quote Dr. King. Well, actually, it was an X-rated version of that quote, but, but I digress. True story. No lie. That is exactly how it felt. And if you've been to college, you know. You know all the nonsense they put you through. First, there's the monotony, the regimen of the whole thing. The same thing, same time, day after day, five days a week. And it's not that far removed from what you did back in first grade or in middle school or in high school or on a job for that matter. Unless, of course, you're one of the lucky ones who works for yourself, that's definitely another matter. And me, I I guess I count myself among them because I've worked for myself since 1988. Call myself an entrepreneur because of the wide range of professional pursuits that I'm typically engaged in. I'm not quite the renaissance man that Dr. Ted Corin was, our guest today, but I've, I've got a pretty wide range. Things like, obviously, radio host, author, my book Atlas Snubbed, software developer, business architect, patented inventor, licensed insurance provider, outdoorsman, three-time gubernatorial candidate, father, grandfather, husband, geek, beer drinker, <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. You know what I like best about being an entrepreneur is that my time is my own. I always focus on doing the things that I like, and I minimize the things that I don't. It was years ago, I was talking to my wife, and I pointed out how every day is fun, fun with a capital F, and if it ain't, then Kenny, don't play that tell me, does that sound like college life to you? Does that sound like the sort of range of avocations, this entrepreneurial stuff, that what you're going to college to learn? In my experience, it's that kind of attitude that gets beaten out of you in college. Maybe it was a Jesuit education that I had, four overly long years in a Jesuit college. Free thinkers, they call themselves, They also call themselves God's Marines, and I can agree with that. After having one Jesuit order me out of the class because I disagreed with him on some religious issue, you don't belong here, he told me. It's like, dude, you know, we paid the money. (laughs) I found Jesuit education to be the antithesis of free thinking, not to mention teaching me a lot of stuff I did not need to know. You know, a a quick side story here. I never heard of Ayn Rand until I was in my mid-30s. But I had all these philosophy and theology courses forced upon me, I must add, during my Jesuit education, and nowhere in all those semesters did I ever once hear Ayn Rand's name mentioned. Well, years later, I finally did hear her name, and I finally read her books. So I went up in the attic, just out of curiosity, and dug out an old philosophy book from one of the advanced classes. I have it with me now. It's called Write and Reason by Austin Fagothy. And I looked in the index, and there she was. And I eagerly flipped to the page, and there it was. The chapter was on pleasure. And she was there, maybe a half a paragraph. And you know what they said about her? She was cited as an example of hedonistic views. I couldn't believe it. Free thinkers. And every time I go past my old alma mater, I find myself singing that Steely Dan song. I ain't never going back to my old school. Not only does college catalyze your thoughts, it sets you up for the rest of your life. A life of crushing student debt, that is. Not two months ago, Pennsylvania's Auditor General, Eugene DePasquale, reported, quote, Pennsylvania ranks among the top states in total student loan debt, and the average student loan debt in our state stands at nearly $35,000. And that's an average, meaning some students owe a heck of a lot more you imagine starting out your career with a five-figure debt hanging over your head or a six-figure if you go to some local college? But is it worth it? Is college worth that insane price tag? Is it worth all the keg parties, the dating scene, the drugs? But more and more people saying no. According to a series of articles in Forbes magazine, enrollments in colleges continue to drop year after year after year. In fact, Pennsylvania is fifth from the bottom, fifth from the top. Whenever we have the fifth greatest drop in enrollments, you figure it out. Why the drop? For it says, increasing skepticism about the value and necessity of a college education. So why would anyone wanna go, aside from all that stuff? I mean, there's so much wrong with college, I could do a whole nother rant, part two, on it. But I found someone who summed up what's wrong with college far better than I ever could. His name is Bob Blue a singer-songwriter who sadly passed away in 2006, but he left behind this huge catalog of music, and one of his songs nails what college is all about. It's a rewrite to Frank Sinatra's My Way, but Bob Blue titled it Their Way. And I wish our cohort Donna Herb were here for us to sing. She sang for us before. And lucky for us, I'm not going to try, so let me just do a dramatic reading instead. Here it is. Their Way by the late Bob Blue. Ready? I came, bought all my books, lived in the dorm, followed directions. I worked hard, studied hard, met lots of folks who had connections. I crammed, they gave me grades, though I may say not in a fair way. But more, much more than this, I did it their way. I memorized all sorts of things, although I know I'll never use them. The courses that I took were all required. I didn't choose them. I found that to survive, I had to act the doctrinaire way. And so I buckled down. I did it their way. But there were times I wondered why. I had to walk when I could fly. I had my doubts, but after all, I clipped my wings. I learned to crawl. I learned to bend. And in the end, I did it their way. And so my fine young friend, Now that I am a full professor, where once I was oppressed, I've now become the cruel oppressor. With me, you'll learn to cope. You'll learn to climb life's golden stairway. Like me, you'll see the light. You'll do it their way. What can I say? What can I do? Take out your book, read chapter two. And if to you it seems routine, don't speak to me, go see the dean. As long as they give me my pay, I'll do it their way. Thank you, Bob Blue. And on that depressing note, that's going to have to wrap it up for episode 52 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about pandemics, about our guest, Dr. Ted Corrin, or about chiropractics in general, people who studied medicine in Cairo? I don't know. Or anything Pennsylvania-related. If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition. That is... And you can hear us there, too, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m., now among other times, and in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 on the AM dial every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Every episode is also released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley, marketing guru, Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator and cohort, distinguished Toastmaster Art Farnsworth, official bartender, Brooke Smith, keyboard wizard, Joe the Pag, radio producer, Brett Kronberger, executive producer, Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Kralchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Is it constitutional?